character. I mean a mighty Bible character. Uh, we're not dependent upon the historians to tell us, but Daniel, speaking for God, said that he was the mightiest. He was mightier than Cyrus, Darius, mightier than Alexander the, the Great, and uh, Julius Caesar, and Augustus, and Tiberius, and other Roman emperors. Well, we'll tell you why. But that's what the Bible said. His name, Nebuchadnezzar. Read a lot about Nebuchadnezzar and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. The latter parts of 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles. He's a prominent character, a Bible character. He's called God's servant. When a child of God. But tonight I'd like for us to notice the things that are revealed in the Bible about him and to see if he ever became a true believer in God. Did he ever accept God, Jehovah God, as superior to all the other gods? Well, not just superior to the other gods, but the only God. And that's really what we want to look at. But underlying this, we're going to notice that God is always in control. Always. From Adam and Eve until Christ comes again, he is always in control. Now, we know that God made man in such a way that we have a, a free will. And we can do his will, we can do our own will. But he's still in control. He's going to work out his scheme of redemption. He's going to use our lives however we respond to him. And some of these servants, like Nebuchadnezzar, just wanted to do their own thing. But God used them. Let me notice three events. Well, first, maybe I should say a little bit more about Nebuchadnezzar. He became the king, they'll call him, of uh, Babylon from 605 until he died in 562. This is all B.C. His father, he is thought to have been one of the Assyrian captains, and he, he revolted. And then in 612, with the help of uh, the Scythians and the Medes, uh, they overthrew Nineveh. That's in 612, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And then uh, he, he just sort of went over to Babylon and declared he's the king, took over. Well, he died in 605, and his son, Nebuchadnezzar, then became the king. He was in a battle at Carchemish, an important battle. And I'll tell you why it's important. Because in 609, uh, Nico, one of the pharaohs in Egypt, was going up to assist the Assyrians against the Babylonians. And Josiah, a good king, one of the better kings, and the last good king of Judah, went out to, uh, to hinder the Egyptian and lost his life. Well, <laughs> the Egyptians lost their control over Syria and Palestine in Carchemish. Nebuchadnezzar is the one who rose to be the king and extended his uh, power over the nations roundabout. But did he ever accept Jehovah as the one true God. Let me talk about three events in his life. One, we find in chapter 2 of Daniel. He had a true, must have been a tremendous dream. <laughs> but he couldn't remember what it was. All he could remember was the effect it had upon him. So he called in all of his sorcerers, his uh, magicians, uh, and others they were called Chaldeans, and said, now, you tell me what it means. 
They said, well, tell us what the dream is. I said, I can't remember it. They said, well, O King, nobody can tell you what it means. We don't know what the dream is. He says, if you don't tell me what the dream is, I know you won't be able to tell me what it means. <laughs> they said, nobody's ever done anything like that. If you tell us, we'll tell you the interpretation. They couldn't do it. So he was quite, what's the word, dogmatic? He said, we're going to put down all of these magicians, these dream interpreters, all of them. If you can't tell me what I dreamed and what it meant. Well, word got to Daniel because he and his friends were uh, of that variety. And uh, so he said, uh, let me have an interview uh, with the king, and I'll tell him what it means. And so he said, okay, they set the time. And so he goes on and tells Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let's pray. I need to know what he dreamed, and I, know, I need to know the interpretation thereof. And so they, they, they prayed, and God gave them the answer. So when he went to see the king, he said, oh, king, you dreamed about a great big vision of an image, a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, a belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron and feet of iron clay, four kingdoms. And Nebuchadnezzar, you're the first king. You're the head of gold, and you're the greatest. Remember what I said at the beginning? Daniel said, you are the greatest of these kings. And he was followed by, that is, uh, this kingdom, Babylonians fell to the uh, Medo-Persians, Cyrus, Darius, that we read about later in Daniel. And so they represented the, the chest and the arms of silver. Then followed them was Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire by the belly and the thighs. And then the fourth kingdom was the Roman kingdom. And what's important to us today is that in history, these all came, this all came true. In Daniel 2 and verse 44, Daniel said that in the days of these kings, and Daniel told about the four different kings, and the last of the four was the Romans, he said, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven establish his own kingdom that will last forever, never be destroyed, nor shall the sovereignty thereof be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Well, who was reigning over the world when Jesus was born at Bethlehem? The Romans. It was in the days of the Roman kings that the Messiah was to come, and that's when they established the Lord's church, the Lord's kingdom. Now, when Daniel explained what the dream was and gave him the interpretation thereof, notice the reaction of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. His response is in chapter 2 and verse 47. Well, let's see, 46 and 47. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell down upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. You know, let's worship Daniel. The king answered and said unto Daniel, Of a truth, your God is the God of gods. And the Lord of Lords, or the Lord of Kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou hast been able to reveal this secret. And then he gave awards to, uh, to Daniel. And also we notice there 
in verse 49, and Daniel requested of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel was in the gate of the king, that is, he was in the king's court as an advisor. So Daniel had been blessed by, by the king, but he didn't forget his friends. Says, King, how about appointing these men? They're good, faithful men, they'll do you a good job. So he didn't forget his friends. That's just something we throw in on the side. We notice then in chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar really wasn't convinced that Jehovah was the only true God. He, he had said, well, it is of a truth, your God is the God of gods. He is the Lord of kings. But what about these other gods? He didn't deny that they existed or that he didn't believe in them. For in the next very next chapter, he has a, a, a huge image erected and everybody was to fall down and worship that image to his God. So that tells us that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't all that convinced when Daniel told him about the first dream. So let's look at the second event that happened here. Nebuchadnezzar decided he wanted to have this large image that would be 90 feet high, 60 cubits, 90 feet, 9 feet wide. And he had a big orchestra, named a number of instruments that were there. Whenever they play, you hear him, everybody falls down before this image and worships Nebuchadnezzar's God. So it doesn't sound like he's all that sold on Jehovah yet. He has an image built. Well, they do this, the musicians play, and the people all fall down. Because 90 feet, you can see it for some distance, and you hear the musicians for some distance. But then they notice Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not fall down and worship when the musicians played. And so the word was passed on to Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, Call me. So the three men came in, and he said, I understand that you're not worshiping this God. I'm going to give you another chance. When you hear these musicians, you fall down and worship my image. Now, let's notice how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond. Uh, chapter 3, we'll start with verse 16. This is what they said to the king. If I can just find the 16 here. I think they took it out of my Bible. It was a little while ago. I've got 17. There it is. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer thee in this matter. If it be our, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto the old king that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Well, that must have infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. He says, get that fiery furnace going and heat it up seven times what it's generally heated up. Seven times. <coughs> he had his servants bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, carry them to the furnace of fire and throw them in. Well, it was so hot, and they had to get close enough to throw them in, that they were all killed. These servants were all killed, not, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And so there they are, and they can see, Nebuchadnezzar's watching. He said, uh, didn't we just put three men in there? His servant said, yeah, it's just three. He said, I see four. He identifies this fourth one, Nebuchadnezzar, as an angel, an angel of their gods. And of course, that was right. When he saw that they weren't were being affected by the fire, he said, come on out, not doing any good. And so he calls them out. Now notice what his response is. After they're going through this fire, their hair is not even singed. And their clothing doesn't even smell like smoke. You know, if you sat around people and smoke, you, you, you walk out, you're smelling the same way. They didn't have any of that. But this is the way Nebuchadnezzar responds, 3, 28, and 29. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. I mean, the king commanded this, but didn't work out. And have yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar says, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that is able to deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted these three. Well, what do you think? Is he getting closer to believing that there's no other god? Well, he says there is no other god that is able to deliver like there are other gods. But we have another example. The third event is another dream, chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar is now telling about this. He remembers the dream and about how it all came out. He said that he, he, he dreamed this huge tree. The top of the tree went right up into the heavens, and the, and the branches extended out as far as you could see, and all the birds and the fowls landed in the branches. All the beasts and people, humans, came and they ate from the tree. And then there were two angels that came down from heaven. They said, cut it down. Leave the stump there, but cut it down. And they did. Well, Nebuchadnezzar still needed to know what that meant. So he called in his magicians, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and, and dream interpreters. They couldn't tell him. They'd heard the dream, but they still couldn't tell him. So he called for Daniel. Why he didn't call for Daniel first, you don't know. But anyway, Daniel came in. And when he heard the dream, he was very troubled. Daniel couldn't speak. And finally, the king said to Daniel, who's called Belteshazzar, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine adversaries. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, and whose height reached the heaven, and so forth, is you. O king, that tree represents you. That tree's going to be cut down. It's going to leave the stumps there, the roots and the stump. And you're going to be sent out into the fields and live with the oxen. 
and you're going to eat the grass like the oxen eat. Uh, you're going to leave the kingdom. They're going to save it. But you're going to be there until a certain time. Notice verse 25. We're in chapter 4. That thou shalt be driven from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and thou shalt be made to eat grass as oxen, and shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the roots, stump of the roots of the tree, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if there may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. So Daniel tells him what's going to happen. He says, now, if you'll change and be more righteous than you've been, be more merciful to the poor, that maybe the Lord will put off the fulfillment of this dream. He will lengthen thy tranquility, thy peace. Well, the Lord's long patience, we find here, and that's a good example of it, one of the examples. The very next verse, verse 28 says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar, and at the end of twelve months, came a whole year. God's long-suffering to you, and he's long-suffering to me. We may get involved in something that we know is not right. And we, we kind of keep going and going and going. Lord, he knows what we're doing. He's just waiting. He wants us to change. And he's long-suffering to you and to me. He was Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months he waited. But notice now, when the twelve months were up. At the end of twelve months, verse 29... Nebuchadnezzar was walking in the royal palace of Babylon. The, speak, the, the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built for the royal dwelling place by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? <laughs> He's kind of thinking a lot about himself, isn't he? I mean, we've got a lot of majesty here, and it's for me. And who built this so great thing? It was my power. Verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, <laughs> he made long, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and thou shalt be like the oxen, and so forth. So here was God giving Nebuchadnezzar a chance, but he muffed it. He had too much pride, egotism. Nebuchadnezzar's response was uh, when he came to himself. Now, it says, uh, I said a figure, until seven times. Well, that doesn't tell us in seven weeks, seven months, seven years, or what? Just seven times. Well, seven is a significant number in the scriptures. 
And we think it means long enough to learn. Seven times until you learn that God in heaven is in control. And finally, after being with all the oxen, we're not told how long, but it's long enough for him to learn that. He came to himself. And here's his response. Um, how about chapter 4, 34 to 37? And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, mine understanding returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent greatness was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are truth, and his ways justice, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. He's saying about himself, I'm sure there. But now, does that suggest to you that Nebuchadnezzar now realize that God is in control? No other God of significance that exists just in the minds of people who worship idols and images, as he had done. I don't know. One thing, uh, a couple of things come to mind. His grandson, Belteshazzar, Belshazzar, not Belteshazzar. Daniel was Belteshazzar, and this is Belshazzar. You remember he was drinking with his lords, and you saw the handwriting on the wall? Me, 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 Tico, you farson. You know how to remember that? Just think, meeny, meeny, tickle the, the parson. Well, it rhymes with that, but that's not what it was. Meeny, meeny, tickle the parson. And nobody could tell him what it meant. And they thought of Daniel. So Daniel was called in, and he told him exactly what it meant. Now, this is in chapter 5. Now, the reason I'm telling you about this, this is his grandson. And if Nebuchadnezzar was so converted to Jehovah, why wasn't his son and his grandson also converted? Well, he wasn't. They were taking the, the vessels that had been taken by Nebuchadnezzar himself out of Babylon. He's the one that brought the, the children of Israel for 70 years captivity in Babylon. But now his grandson has taken those vessels and they're drinking from drinking wine. So Daniel says... Your grandfather had all this experience. Now, didn't you believe him? In Daniel 5, 4, when we read this to you, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and wood and of stone. So here was the grandson worshiping and praising God. 
Then in verse 14, Daniel says to Belshazzar, if I can find 14, here we go. I have heard of thee, this is Belshazzar speaking, I have heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in thee. So he knew about Daniel. Daniel said in verse 22, And thou, his son, it's his grandson, old Belshazzar, hast not humbled thy heart, though thou knowest all this? Well, I'm sure that happens in families. Here's a parent, a grandparent, converted, and they teach their family, teach their grandchildren, and some of them don't always get converted. Give you another Bible example, Manasseh. Manasseh was the worst king Judah had. He was the son of Hezekiah, one of the best kings they had. Just think of that. But he was very bad. Ruled for 55 years, longer than any Judean king over the kingdom of Judah. Well, toward the end of his life, God dealt with Manasseh. He had him carried off into Assyrian captivity. They didn't take him to Nineveh. They took him to, uh, to, to Babylon. But what happened to Manasseh while he was there? Well, let me read a few verses. In 2 Chronicles 33, and we'll read starting at verse 10. What happened to Manasseh? And Jehovah spake to Manasseh and to his people, and they gave no heed. God sent his prophets, they wouldn't hear him. They gave no heed to God's word. Wherefore, as because of that, here's what happened. Wherefore Jehovah brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh in chains and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, Manasseh besought Jehovah his God. Manasseh humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed unto God. And he was entreated, that is, Jehovah was entreated of Manasseh, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem unto his kingdom, then Manasseh knew that Jehovah, he was God. Fifty-five years, and this was toward the end of his life, did not worship God. He had altars built to other gods. He had the altar of the temple destroyed. He sent his children to the fire in worship of idols. That's what Manasseh was like. Now, when he realizes his mistake and that Jehovah is truly God, he wants to change things. Notice in verse 14 on. Now after this, Manasseh built an outer wall to the city of David on the west side of Gihon, in the valley, even to the entrance of the fish gate. And he compassed Ophel about with it and raised it up to a very great height. And he put uh, valiant captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. Now notice. And he took away the foreign gods and the idol out of the house of Jehovah and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of Jehovah 
and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. Now Manasseh's bringing about some penances in on. 16. And he built up the altar of Jehovah and offered their own sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving and commanded Judah, that's his people, to serve Jehovah, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people sacrificed still in the high places, which was not where they were sacrificed, but only under Jehovah their God. So a little change was being made by the Judeans because of what the chains Manasseh had brought about. But then Manasseh died and his son Amon became a bad king. What happened? To Manasseh's testimony to his son Amon. Well, maybe it's the same thing that happened to Nebuchadnezzar to his grandson Belshazzar. We don't know. But it looks like Nebuchadnezzar may have finally realized there's just one true God. I read an article by Brother Otis Gatewood some years ago, and he was talking about Nebuchadnezzar, and I think he closed off the article with something like this. He said, don't be surprised if when you get to heaven, you see Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he made a genuine change in his life and accepted Jehovah is what was necessary for him. Well, there are some lessons we can learn from this. Um, talked about God's long-suffering, about God's trying to bring people to faith into him. But one other thing that I think is vitally important, and let me have five more minutes. There are many passages that teach that God is in control. We made that point already. And that is what we find in the book of Daniel to start with. Let me read some. Well, I don't know about reading. Let me start with chapter 220 and 22. <clears throat> Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he, that is God, changeth the times and seasons. 